Welcome to the Her Sports Story podcast, where we share in the stories of former female athletes, connect on the transition out of sport, and create a space where the always an athlete tribe can come for connection and inspiration. I'm your host, Bethany Crouch, founder of the Her Sports Story blog and podcast, and former competitive gymnast of 15 years to an athlete advocate professional. It makes my heart so happy to connect in and share these former female athlete stories. And I am so grateful and excited that you are here to join us. Her Sports Story Tribe, hope everyone is doing amazing today. I am so excited that you're here and that you get to listen in on my conversation with Sarah Dittmars. Sarah is a former hockey player turned athletic trainer turned sport performance, nutrition, health, and former athlete health program creator. She is amazing and we had this conversation kind of right after some major things had happened in her life and it was so just amazing and so good and so real and I really can't wait for you to tune in. Sarah, we are so excited to have you on the Her Sports Story podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. This is great. I know. I'm so excited we connected. Like this, I think, is kind of more so like our first time like talking, connecting, right? Yeah, just I guess it's just been like short and sweet little hey, awesome, mm-hmm. kind of nothing really in depth, which is right. But. Which I'm really excited about, actually, because I think there's something so cool about when you're like first connecting with someone, and it's just going to be so cool to hear your sports story and everything that you're doing now and how you have evolved. So to get us started, per usual, will you give us a glimpse into your sports story? I, 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 it would go back to like when I could walk, like, which I think for all of us, um, for every athlete, it goes back that far, but basically from, yeah, like running around at recess to like, you know, playing with all the guys and I played soccer as, as long as I played, I played hockey a little bit. Yeah. I played hockey and soccer predominantly, but I also did like a little bit of softball, a little bit of basketball, a little bit of everything. So, uh, man, it goes it goes all the way back from back when I could walk. But mm-hmm. predominantly, my main thing was hockey. That was my main my main uh, my main thing. Oh, nice. So you started, of course, at an early age. How long did you play hockey? I played from about nine years. Um, and it was, yeah, I mean, before that it was always like skating on the pond and stuff like that and playing road hockey in the street. But the mm-hmm. first, uh, the first time I ever started playing, I was, I don't know, I don't know, it was probably nine, which is a little bit later than, uh, than a lot of people. But mm-hmm. in my town, we didn't have, uh, we didn't have much um, available. So once it was, I jumped right in it and I played, I played up until I was 18 um, and then I stopped playing hockey and went on to school. And that wasn't a, uh, a path that I didn't see coming. I saw that coming. Mm-hmm. I, was, I wasn't a bad hockey player, but I wasn't, I, I didn't, 
have any intention to continue. Um, I always knew it was going to end at that point. Interesting. So you had that kind of like forward thinking, because I think a lot of athletes when they're in it, they're not always like, oh yeah, this is going to end one day or like have the end in mind sometimes. And that's where, you know, maybe they like kind of thought about it. They're like, oh, I'll just worry about that when it gets here. So talk about like that transition and stopping hockey. Yeah. I think, I think for a lot of us, it's, it's something that you just kind of procrastinate worrying about. It's like, okay, I'll think about it later. And so then when that does come, whether it's from, you know, just the end of the year, or if you go through a major injury or your team or your program gets cut and funding's no longer there, like there's so many ways that our careers can come to an end and it's an uncomfortable thought. So we just always put it off. We don't want to think about it. For me, I knew it was coming, but um, it, it still didn't make it, didn't make it hurt any less. Um, I think with any type of loss, I mean, if you think about like losing a loved one, it doesn't matter if they were sick for months or if it was a, you know, an, like an accident or something like that. Like it still hurts, um, which might be a little bit aggressive to compare it to that, but it, it hurt. I mean, it's, it's like a part of, a part of me completely changed my identity and who I was and everyone knew me as, as having a role as, as the athlete in, you know, in high school and in my town so then leaving and going somewhere else where no one knows you and then you don't have this kind of like badge or like title behind you you really feel like you're starting I have to make my own friends whereas if I had gone to school for hockey I would have automatically had you know 30 friends that were in the same boat as me so it was very difficult that first year Uh, my grades weren't that great (laughs) I slept until noon I drank too much alcohol I I did things that I've never like done before because I had all this freedom and this time I'm like oh I could do whatever and I never thought that that would you know obviously have any consequences I was 18 years old Mm -hmm. so I mean living wild and free so to speak but uh yeah no I mean the transition into that year like moving through it I didn't think probably as much as I'm like oh it's gonna end and putting it off I kind of didn't deal with my emotion or didn't recognize the feelings that I was feeling I would just kind of like sweep it under the rug so to speak because I was like oh this this kind of hurts and it's I'll just keep doing this anyways but it was it was it was tough it was tough. Yeah. It's funny how, when that transition happens, how we start to pick up behaviors in a way that are almost us totally, like you said, procrastinating, avoiding, and we're just, you know, at the time we're like, this makes us feel good, right? These behaviors are helping us cope without really diving into feeling it. And I am right there with you. Like I straight avoided it. For a good chunk of time, I just basically replaced uh, gymnastics with my career and getting all of the internships and all the jobs. And it wasn't until I slowed down that I realized, like, oh, I never like actually process this. It's exactly. still, yeah, it still lives there. And as far as you comparing it to a loss, like that is completely accurate. And I know so many athletes that say it's like it's like breaking up with your first love and I forget where I was reading but there was this kind of quote or meme and it was it was when Brett Favre was retiring and he was like crying 
And it's like <laughs> anything that can make a grown man cry. And it's true. Like you have such a love and relationship and sometimes it's a love hate relationship, but nonetheless, hundred percent with sport. So I appreciate you kind of sharing that with us because I, I feel like that needs to be normalized, right? That when an athlete ends their sport, they're not just supposed to have it figured out right away. They're not supposed no. to, you know, just go into whatever's next. So as far as, you know, when you were, you were 18, you're in college, I imagine, and navigating this new world. When did you say that, or when would you say that you kind of felt like, oh, these patterns aren't exactly aligned with me? And how did you maybe stop or change the that behavior? I guess I think uh, it was about Christmas time at the end of the first semester, mm-hmm. and I scored a sixty-three percent on my first ever like kinesiology course and to be the requirements of the program was to get a 65 yeah. back then my university um did not like you only like your final grade ended in a zero a three or a five mm. or an eight mm. and they would only ever round down so if i scored a 64 they wouldn't round me to 65 to keep me in the program. They could have kept me at 63 or I got a 63. There was no, there was no, there was no help there. It was, it was, it was kind of a weird situation as far as how you got the grade, but I basically, I didn't make the requirement to stay in my program. I had to drop full, uh, full year um, context credit and redo that course the following semester. And now I've got pressure because I have to, it was two days before Christmas and I'm sitting in my bedroom, my like high school bedroom at my parents' house mm-hmm. crying because I'm like, well, I've just like basically failed. Although like I passed, I didn't get to stay in the program. I was still in the program, but it kind of, mm-hmm. eyes were on me. I was on this like probation kind of, yeah. I ended up fine. I ended up, you know, doing an 80 or something the following semester I figured it out because it was because of my behaviors and my lack of structure and my lack of discipline and my lack of like understanding what I was required to do now what my purpose was mm-hmm. I was just kind of focused on like oh I'm going to school but I don't have hockey and it's only 13 hours of class a week so I mean have fun while you're at it so mm-hmm. it was about then that I realized it and then I, sh- I slowly started figuring things out a little bit more after that but um, you're right when it comes to people saying that you, you know, assuming that you would have it figured out because you're so successful where you're at. Um, I don't know if this is skipping ahead too much on you, but, um, fast forward to like literally yesterday, mm-hmm. um, a couple weeks ago, actually, I submitted my resignation for my, my career as the athletic therapist. So like this, the head trainer Mm -hmm. for a pretty, um, pretty great organization who I have worked with. It's a junior A hockey team. Mm. I've been there for six years. Um, I've done that career for nine years and I put in my resignation and in in my resignation, I asked for a little bit of time to process this because Mm -hmm. I didn't want the owners calling me and there was someone asking me to come like, are you sure? Right. That was fine. I kind of coped with it. I felt emotions and it was okay. And then literally yesterday morning, my phone starts ringing with the newspaper, the radio station, and a whole mess of other people, previous coaches and everyone, because mm-hmm. a news article was going to be out. So the first couple of calls was from like a, a media person mm-hmm. asking for a quote from me and for details as to why I was leaving. 
Mm -hmm. because something must have terribly gone wrong for Sarah to move on. Like we don't move on ever. Like we, (laughs) I mean, I could, I could rant on about how, you know, why would I have to stay in the same job for 40 years? Like we don't do that, but (laughs) we're not, you know, we're a different generation, but um, continue growth. I mean, if you stay where you're at, you know, we're going to move forward, blah, blah, blah. But um, that was how I started my morning yesterday. And it totally took me off track because now I've got my phone ringing. Mm-hmm. Press releases out that I've left and everyone like asking me, are you sure? What are you doing now? Or what are you going to do? And all of these, like all of these feelings that people are having, cause they're in an element of surprise, which I am still trying to figure out how my decision influences them. Like what does my what does me leaving hockey mm-hmm. do? Like, how does it affect them? Right. I'm still trying to understand that. But anyways, all these emotions and all of these things that you're feeling, cause it's the same for me. I mean, I, I finished playing hockey when I was 18, but after I figured it out in the end of first year university, I started working in hockey. Mm-hmm. And so I've done this job. Like I, I was, the, I finished university, like training to do it. And then I spent, 10 years after university, like doing it and working in it and being around guys and, and my other clients who have like gone through the same transition. I've been always doing this and now I'm going through it again. Mm-hmm. And I've got the news station calling and the, you know, previous, like all these people sending me random emails that, you know, I, I haven't talked to or seen in years. Like the hockey community is very big and it's, it's full of love and it's great that everyone's got each other's back. And I love the support and the feedback. It feels great, mm-hmm. but it's emotional. Totally. And it's hard because it's like, now I'm like, I know I've, I've learned from previously where I swept it all under the rug and I didn't acknowledge it. And I didn't feel those feelings. Now I'm like, I have to, yep. but I'm like, I don't want to, but I have to. And it's, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. No. It's literally like I woke up this morning and I'm like, I'm still exhausted from yesterday because of all of the emotion right. that drains you. Oh yeah. And it's, I, fully believe that life has these cycles and patterns, right? So I believe like when we, or when you exited your sport, you probably had questions or like, why aren't you going to try to play longer or even try to make it to whatever level in college? And it's really hard when you've made a decision and other people do not understand said decision because they look at you and they're like, you're amazing at it. You're so good at it. Why would you leave? Exactly. Right. It's all of that. I remember being, you know, gymnast. I quit my sport twice right before college. I turned down a college scholarship. Yep. I was that person. Yeah. (laughs) And, but people are like, why? And at the moment, my heart was just like, it was calling me elsewhere in that moment. Granted, I ended up making my way back to college gymnastics, but it was a different kind of setting. But it's so funny when you have to try to justify what's calling you. And at the end of the day, you don't have to, right? No, you don't. You have don't. to say, like, this, this is my next journey. It's my next path. I have loved my experience but this is what's calling me and this is what I need to do. But thank you. Like, so it's, but it doesn't make it any less hard or any less exhausting, but it is kind of interesting how that totally could be a parallel, right? It totally is. Yeah. You're like, 
you know, when when you said it's a love hate, it's so true. And, and if you look back to like, your first love, it was a love hate there too. Like you are, obviously there's growing pains, but, like really big, but I love that comparison. I've made that numerous times, and I'll stand by that comparison a million times. Mm-hmm. Although I do feel like breaking up with hockey was worse, but <laughs> yes. Anyways, um, <laughs> I uh, I honestly it, it is a love hate when I when you, I was playing. Um, and it was a love hate when I was working in it, hundred um, percent. There's days, you know, there's days where I, I like going into an arena, mm-hmm. right? Or like for you, like if you going into the facility and you like, yeah. it has a smell. Oh yeah, totally. Okay, so everyone's like, oh yeah, hockey gear and like sweaty sports equipment <laughs> things, but like, like the arena has a smell and every arena has its own smell. So like my home arena has a smell. Mm-hmm. Probably the same thing with like your like home facility, yeah. like your main training facility. Right. Probably has this thing behind it. Um, you park in the exact same spot when you drive there. You you know you take your shoes off in the exact same spot. Like there's so much ingrained like tradition or superstition or all of this stuff behind what you did and how you did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even you know even as a bench personnel, like when the, when the national anthem plays, like there's a sequence of things that I used to think about when I was playing Mm -hmm. in my head. And those things are totally different than what I think about in my head now. But there are things that I think about in my head and there's a pattern of like, I do, I, I do something with my feet. Like I roll off my inside, my outside arch. Mm -hmm. It's a weird thing. And I like, I don't, I don't know. I do something weird and I catch myself every time. Like, why do I do this? I just, I just do it the thoughts in my head, the thing that I look at every time for, um, I have a, I have a, I'm on the kit that I wear on my leg. There's a, a memorial ribbon for uh, Dana Bronze. Dana Bronze was the athletic therapist. She's only 23. She, she died in a, an accident last mm-hmm. about a year ago, almost to the date. She worked for the Humboldt Broncos, which is a, a team in Saskatchewan who uh, they're in the same caliber of hockey that I work in mm-hmm. and we're literally 30 minutes away from arriving at the other arena f- to play game five. They had just lost like the night before in triple overtime. Mm-hmm. They're on the bus and they're going to, to this other city. They're literally 30 minutes away and they get T-boned mm-hmm. and, and she, she fought for her life for, and for five days afterwards and then she later died. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a huge story and it's, it, it it affects so many. And so every day this year, every time you get on the bus and I'm like, okay, she probably sat in the same spot as I did. Mm. There's so many people, there's 16 people that died, wow. including the head coach and all the people that sit in the front of the bus. So every time you get on that bus, you think about, she probably sat here and everyone in front of her like died on scene and she was able to fight for her life and other people behind her obviously had passed as well. But like, mm-hmm. think about that. So, so anyways, in the anthem, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the memorable badge and I'm thinking about things and you look, I, you look around and all of these things are engraved and there's so much emotion behind that. And the game hasn't even started and I'm not even a player, mm-hmm. but I can tell you that the coach does the exact same thing. Yeah. I can tell you that probably the guy that runs the score clock does the exact same thing. So like, even if you are the athlete or which I, I know straight up what that was like. And now that I've had such a longer career, to be honest, being on the other side, mm-hmm. it's the same feeling. And it's realizing that is, is totally eye opening, totally eye opening. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I mean, so there's so much wrapped up in our, and again, in our patterns and in our habits and how we, how we prep, right? How you prep for a game, how you prep working for a game. And then, you know, the, the accident and that incident, incident there's, that's just a whole nother level on top of it that is closely tied to your heart. And so I think sometimes, and when I'm working with athletes at my current job I just like I'm like this is life this is life stuff this is life stuff sometimes so much greater than sport but sport has just always been a common denominator for it whether that's you doing the sport or you being around the sport exactly so it's it's just really interesting how all of the pieces kind of align and how we continue to to trek on our on our path So, you know, with these experiences that you're going through, and I'm so honestly thankful that like we are chatting right now and that everything is kind of fresh for you because I can can connected about like we scheduled this recording um, Mm -hmm. before any of that had happened. Like I had sent in my resignation, but I was, you know, it was still, it wasn't a big declaration Mm -hmm. um, on online, which again, I'm so thankful for like the organization I worked for, um, wrote a really wonderful um, piece and, and posted it and published it. And they really said that, you know, it's, it's an emotional loss for them because it, they, I was there for so long and they really appreciate it. And it's nice seeing those things, but I'm like, right. I don't want to read it because I'm like, I feel it. And yeah. like, if anyone thought that I was leaving and it didn't hurt, then like, I'm sorry, but it does. Yeah. And then, well, if it hurts, then why don't you stay? It's like, well, then why are you leaving? Yeah. <laughs> like all of these. Oh, it's like, okay. Yeah. It's just so, anyways, it's all of that stuff literally happened yesterday. And I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm talking to Bethany tomorrow. Like, <laughs> hey, like, you're fine. You're fine, girl. You're, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It. <laughs> this is, it, it's just a great opportunity. And I know, I know so much of my hockey family will listen to this. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, yeah, it's a nice way of saying goodbye to that too at the same time. But right. it is, it's, it's true whether you work in it or you play in it or you're around it. And I'm sure it extends to other things that aren't just sport. Like it, the, the light, like the world's a lot bigger than, than gymnastics and hockey. But mm-hmm. it's true. It's, it's, you know, going through that. And if you go through that transition, let's say at the end of the college, now you've got to figure out your career path. Now you got to figure out where you're going to live. Now you have no money. Now you have all of this stuff. Adulting. Like, what are you going to do? I actually, it's funny that you said that you left gymnastics twice. I, I left uh, the team before uh, I was with this team mm-hmm. at the end of, at the end of my master's degree. And I've just figured that I would never be able to find a job because I was literally told by my professors and my mentors that, you know, getting a job in men's hockey, good luck mm-hmm. because they hire men. And I worked for the women's varsity team. So I, I didn't even have an experience with men to, to say, yo, I could, I can work for your men's team. Yeah. Um, so when I moved back home and just so happened that there was an opportunity there um, and I obviously took it, it was, I was kind of like, as if I'm actually still doing this. 
Like I, I, I had written, you know, the Facebook post, the Instagram post, mm-hmm. like hanging up my fanny pack, right? Like I, I'm stepping away from it. Like I've done the same thing. And I'm like, I was kind of laughing and maybe yeah. rocked it a little bit too much because I knew what it was like to hang up my skates. Yeah. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I kind of had a little bit of taste of it, but now it was like, oh gosh, right now people are really attached and they're really used to seeing me there. I've worked over 500 games. Mm. Like that's a lot of hockey. (laughs) That is a lot of hockey. And I'm so, you know, I'm really excited for you for your next chapter. And I would love for you to have the opportunity, like in this space to share like what's on your heart and what is your soul calling you to do next? So I opened and, or I started my own business once I started once I moved back home, because again, you're broke, you're 23, you got no money, mm-hmm. got a job, you got to figure it out. I would live in a very small town. So I started my own um, sports performance training program, uh, business. Mm-hmm. I worked with uh, college athletes um, that were preparing to go to college um, in my local area. Um, and then I, in the summers, would work with a lot of college athletes that came back to the area to help them do their off-season training. And I kind of build a business around that. Mm. And at the same time, I worked for the hockey team. Um, so after a couple of years of that, I started realizing, you know, there's a graduating class. I'd worked with enough athletes. I had like a graduating class every year where there's a group of people that were either done high school sports and not moving on or done college sports and not moving on. And then they, how they were talking about getting into their last year, like all of the stuff that they were talking about in the gym, I'm like, I was there. And so slowly I started putting things together, but like, there's a problem here because like that transition is not easy and I keep seeing people go through it and like, there's something here. So, um, in the last year I have literally just changed, shifted my focus and I'm literally focusing on what happens. Like there's a major problem when it comes to how do I work out? How do I eat? How do I like, what do I do for my mindset? Cause I have nothing like pushing me or motivating me or like encouraging me to do something. I'm not accountable to anybody. All of these problems that come because we don't have the game and the game structured all that for you. So that like realizing that I had a group every year that was struggling through that. I had been there. I was like, this is neat. This needs to change. And I need to come up with something that will help them. So realizing that problem, feeling, feeling that problem, what is, it has literally made it my mission, like my, my absolute mission to come up with a solution for that. So I've expanded my business, um, originally from doing in-person and online. I'm a hundred percent online. Now I work with all my clients online and we, I, I, I have fitness programs. I got uh, so nutrition programs, fitness programs, got all this stuff that's catered to helping former female athletes that don't know what to eat, don't know what to do in the gym, and they're embarrassed about it because they're supposed to have it figured out. Yep, totally. Like, and that's still, I talk about this too. Like, I am eight years out of my sport, and I still am navigating this. I like, and it's not that I'm not necessarily healthy, but I lack that like structure, right? Or that routine or that meal prep. Mm -hmm. And I want people to know too, it's like, 
it doesn't always translate after your sport, right? As far as where I remember going into a gym, like a, like a regular workout facility rather than like a gymnastics. Yeah, your gym, gym yeah. <laughs> yeah. Inverse gym, yeah. So <laughs> I went in after I like had said goodbye to gymnastics and I literally walked in there and I just remember standing in there looking around. I've been awake room before I had worked out plenty of times but it was a moment where I was like I don't have a team of people to work out with I don't mm-hmm. even know like I will do some like full body stuff I guess I'll do a little of this yeah. a little of that um, <laughs> but yeah it was a moment and I just remember it very vividly and you know it, I think for so long I tried to chase the like, what's that fitness class that's going to make it feel like gymnastics again? And I, mm-hmm. I want people to know that they're not comparable. Exactly. They're in totally different categories. So you can get a taste of it every now and then when you're working out. And you're like, oh, yeah, I, this is cool. my former athlete life. Like, yeah. I'm so boss right now. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, bro. Yeah. Right. But it's but, true. And it's embarrassing. You're sitting there and you're like, yeah. why do I not know what to do? I'm embarrassed. Right. I'm mortified. And everyone notices that I don't know what I'm doing. That's what you mm-hmm. feel, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. No, that doesn't need to happen anymore. Right. People love to do like, yeah, those, like, uh, you know, I'll do a spin class. Like spin classes are great and you should incorporate them because they're fantastic. But you know, like all of these different classes are like, oh, I'm going to start doing CrossFit. Yeah. That's one of my biggest rants that former athletes always fall into the category of doing CrossFit. And it's, typically not the best idea mm-hmm. and people are like why are you saying that yeah first of all it's great there's a there's a culture there's team rankings there's competitiveness there's actual like mm-hmm. fitness games like that's great but it's repetitive heavy movements which your body has done repetitive heavy movements in your sport in a specific sport specific pattern for years and years and years right so as a gymnastics mm-hmm. or a gym, that's a hard one because like you're pretty you're pretty great like target for someone who could do CrossFit. Yeah. You have good mobility and, mm-hmm. and you, could, you know, you could do a swing off of a bar. Like you, right. You're already primed for that. So it's kind of a bad example, but let's say hockey. Right. I'm predominantly stronger on one side from the way that I, I, I shoot. You know, you've got all these muscle imbalances or say soccer where there's a lack of upper body strength. There's great core strength, great leg strength, but there's a little bit of a mismatch. And again, it's so repetitive off of the same movement pattern. If you're running, if you're running in your sport, if you're jumping in your sport, repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to go into something different, a different movement pattern that's also heavy and repetitive. Your body is going to lash back to you and it's not going to enjoy it, which leads to injury, which leads to dropout, which leads into another unforced retirement potentially. Right. Cycle. And then the same cycle, it goes over and over. Now, while I'm not saying CrossFit is bad, I mean, if you do it properly and you're well trained and you do it the right way, it right. can be it can be a killer way of, of of improving your athleticism and continuing what you love to do, which is great. But it's not it's not like okay, I'm done playing hockey, I'm done I'm done gymnastics, now I'm going to do CrossFit because I need competitive. Right. It's not always the best fit. It needs to kind of be a little bit of a oh. I mean, I, maybe in a couple of years I can start doing that, but I need to take care of the injuries and, and, and I need to take care of my body. So yeah, it's, but yeah. yeah, it's, it's confusing. What do you do? There's so much information. You read this blog, you watch this video, you see this on Instagram, you see this girl on Instagram. Why do I not look like her? Why do I not look like her? And I comparing yourself imposter system, <laughs> imposter system. Yeah. yeah. And it's a big cycle of problems. It so is. And I think like there's, 
with the sport ending transition. It's much more, it's like a full mind, body, soul transition. And sometimes it, I think it takes a while for our core to be able to reach the level to have the physical side figured out to, you know, connect our, our heart back with our mind and mm -hmm. really understand the entirety of who we are. And that's like such a life process. Gosh, oh, 100%. it is always work. It is always the, the hard work, feeling what we don't want to feel, bringing it up so we can heal it. And then yeah, exactly. to, like establishing like who we are as our core and fully owning and believing that. Mm -hmm. And then once you just, when you own it, like, Hey, I'm a former athlete and I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's okay. I clearly made like her sports story platform because I was still missing my sport years after walking away from it. So we're all in a process, but what's so cool now is there's people like you and there's people like me mm -hmm. and we have this whole team now of former female athletes just like killing the game of whether that's helping in a sense of fitness health uh, professional development identity development and it's so amazing so i would love to hear like maybe pick one of your ideal programs cuz you have programs around you said nutrition fitness. And then I think you have one specifically for the former athlete. So I would love to hear what that program looks like. Yeah. Um, so I just, I just launched it actually on Monday, which is just like the fact that if you look at the week and the events that have happened, it so like, much. I'm exhausted. Like my chest, like actually like hurts at times. Cause I'm like, uh -huh. my heart is like feeling emotions. And it's yep. So, yep. so it's well, it been was. quite the week. On Monday, I actually launched, it's called the Former Athlete Training Program. It's an eight-week intense, it's intense. Um, the program is four to five workouts a week. So they're intense, they're full body. They also, there's also um, cardio sessions on top. They focus on the whole body strengthening, but really focusing on building lean body mass or lean muscle mass in the whole body. So it's not, you know, eight-week arms, eight-week legs. It's the whole, the whole body. Um, and it's, it's, it's built around that athleticism of feeling, right? So there is, yeah, free body weights. There's some machines and stuff in there, but the cardio and everything, when you put it all together, you actually feel like you're training to maybe like, maybe it, it basically feels like a training program that you would do before your season started, like a preseason workout program. That's what the workouts feel like. Um, four to five workouts a week. There's weekly nutrition meal, like schedules. So I have on Monday, when you wake up, you do this, then breakfast, lunch, dinner, two snacks, the calories and macronutrients for every meal are broken down by ingredient and by meal. I don't hold anything back. I don't just say eat this, this or this and try and eat this many calories. I go like as far in depth as possible because former athletes want to know everything. They sure. want to learn everything and they need to see the difference in what they're doing now versus when they were an athlete, right? The amount of calories that you're eating when you were probably in the middle of your sport was probably around like, like 3000 calories. And now, you know, now you, you hear that I need to not eat carbs and I need to eat like 1500 or 1200 calories that's not going to work for you so my program is built more around 2000 calories because i'm still making you spend a lot of energy in the gym 
but it breaks it down so you actually learn something from it. So then at the end of eight weeks, you can actually continue to do it on your own because you've learned because all of the information is there. So that's why my nutrition program is a little bit more in depth because it'll actually help teach you. So there you get like a, a weekly map of what you get um, mm -hmm. for, for meals. You get the recipes, you get the grocery list, you get everything that goes into it. Um, and then I send you an email literally every morning from Monday to Friday. And I teach you, I teach you things about, you know, we'll talk about goal setting. We'll talk about, you know, active recovery and what does that mean? And all of these things that you keep hearing about, should I take supplements? Should I take creatine? Should mm -hmm. I, you know, should I be having um, pre-workout? Like I teach you all of the things that you're hearing about and I just simplify it and give you a simple answer. Because again, it's so easy for our mind to jump from this isn't working because you're not giving it enough time. And because there's a million people telling you things that you think that you should be believing or this worked for my friend who this worked for my friend and my uncle. Like, what is this? <laughs> so my, my morning emails are catered around that. The whole program is delivered through my training app. Okay. So literally you just cool. take your phone into the gym uh, you, you pull up the app and uh, the whole, the, all, all the workouts and, and video demonstrations and everything, how many reps, sets to tell you how much weight to lift. Everything is in there, but I only work with a couple people. I only work with a limited amount of people. And that's because I don't want anyone to get lost in the numbers mm -hmm. and because it is a group training program, but it, you have to fall within certain parameters or else the numbers won't work. Mm. Right? So I'm looking for women that are like, you know, 25 to 30 or 23 to 30 mm -hmm. somewhere in that range yeah. and you're looking to, for like maybe like 155 pounds um would be the highest and and you're looking at the end being closer to the 135 140 range mm -hmm. um if, if you're starting at that point but basically someone in that range would do really well in it because that's what the program is designed perfect Oh, I love it. And I think it's so key to, that you brought up, like not everything is for everyone, right? And it is okay to have like something that is special tailored towards you and what works for 90% of the people, it may not work for you or it may. And to be okay with knowing that, like in going into a program that you have spelled out with them in mind, they're going to be able to see the results and be like, oh, this works really well for me or this structure. Or if I change this meal, this is actually better. But I've learned the structure and I've had the support and I have the education. Exactly. Now to take it, to take ownership of it and the hope, right, for them to be a success and carry on. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, we're perfect all the time, but it Never. sets you up for having that framework to be your your best advocate for yourself health-wise. So. 100%. No, 100%. I mean, there's so many programs out there, like what makes yours different than everyone else's. Like mine, just I'll just teach you what's up. Mm -hmm. teach you like what the difference is yeah. <laughs> and how to like actually sustain it because if you know how much you should be eating and how to structure it and what kind of meals you could have and then that's half the battle where we don't know what we're doing right. and then yeah exactly if, if, if you can learn something you can manage it on your own and right now you haven't learned anything because you went from the highest level <laughs> down to trying to figure out this new level on, on your own. 
How, mm-hmm. how, how are you expected to do that on your own? Like, and you shouldn't have to, which is why you're saying there's people like me, there's, people like you, there's mm-hmm. so many other of our colleagues that are working with former athletes that are actually there to help you. It's so, so amazing and so cool. And I'm so happy that <laughs> we've all connected, you know, from, from one person connects us with another person. And I mean, I think what's nice is we, we definitely have our solid group and then we're like our Instagram cheerleaders. Right. And I think that it's just like the, the next team. It's the team after it was honestly the team I was searching for when I ended sport. Cause I was like on Google, like there's gotta be help. (laughs) There There has to be help. Yeah. Well, there is people doing this and fast forward a couple years, like there's this whole movement and shift that we are a part of and that there are people like you creating programs for exactly us, what we needed. Right? Exactly. But then maybe what I still need, which we'll talk about. Um, we can talk about that. Yeah, let's get yeah. you on my team here. Let's go. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, I'm so grateful and so thankful you're here. And, you know, before we kind of wrap up and I ask the kind of the last question I asked most, most of our podcast guests is first, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Sarah Dittmars on Instagram, or you can find me on Facebook at Sarah Dittmars Sports Performance. But if you want to know all about every program and everything, you got to find my website. It's Sarah Dittmars Sports Performance.com. Perfect. And I'll put those, of course, in the show notes as well for people to link to. Perfect. The final question, I, I have this vision one day that like former athletes, when they retire from their sport or, you know, current athletes retiring for their sport, becoming former, we will have, there will be some event that they go to of sorts where it's like the processing or the bridge to what's next. And it's going to include people like you, people like me, people like our team to say, to help just coach and just give some resources and some reassurance and a little bit of a launch pad or whatever yeah. next in their life. So if you were in this room, let's say with 50 to 100 athletes that are just like, I have no idea what to do about anything because I've lost my sport, what would you say to them? Honestly, to not hide from what you're feeling. Huge. Honestly, like we, we touched on that before, but like, I keep telling myself, especially over the last couple of days of ripping this bandaid off. And it's probably, if this probably might, maybe because it's fresh, mm-hmm. it's more than it did the first time. Cause maybe I know it's like actually, it's actually on, I don't know, mm-hmm. but like, don't hide from what you're feeling and don't be afraid to like find a coach and find help. Because you, you, you know, you hear it in school all the time. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Your coaches tell you, don't be afraid to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Like, why are we afraid to ask questions now? Why are we, are, why are we afraid to like admit that we don't know it all? How are we supposed to know it all? Like, so don't be afraid of feeling what you're feeling and don't be afraid of asking for help. Cause like, <laughs> why would you have to suffer? Right. You don't have to, like, you don't have to suffer through it. You don't have to. Yes, it's so true. And there's a, again, there's a team of people that want to help. 
that are that that understand that have been there before and they're here for it so exactly amazing thank you so much for coming on today can't wait to see all the amazing things you do and i'm so excited that our her sports story tribe got to hear all about life for you right now (laughs) all about you know the incredible programs that you've built so once again thanks so much for joining us today thank you thank you thank you